it wasn't enough for me, you know, and I just, I was thinking like, how, what can I do that is going to make me happy, you know, and ultimately I came to the conclusion that service, it's all about service, you know, it's all about finding ways to help others. That's the key to sustaining happiness. And I wasn't sure what that looked like at first. You know, I've been a a long time yogi and I've done teacher training. And so I did teach yoga for a little bit, but that wasn't, it just wasn't the thing for me. So I, I was also doing nutrition coaching, which I still do and I still love doing. But for me, the intersection of animals and food is my happy place. <laughs> That's my two favorite things. That was Michelle May, creator of Benji's Canine Cuisine and Seva Foods, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Happy Monday morning, you guys. I'm Jess. I'm your host, and I'm recording this just a few hours before we launch it out into the world. And I spend most of my weekend, pretty much my whole weekend when I'm not teaching, working on this podcast. But like with everything, I just... I always make sure that when I sit down that I am aligned and that the love that I have for this show is fully expressed in everything that I do and every moment that I work on it. And speaking of love, I just want to thank everyone who is supporting us on Patreon. I am committed to being so much better at posting content for you guys, but you are getting exclusive and early release content every week. So check that at least a few times a week for updates and let us know how we can even make that better for you. What do you want to know about? So great feedback from last week's podcast with Dr. Davern. She was rocking people's worlds. And I have to say, I think the same thing is going to happen from our guest today. But don't get overwhelmed, you guys, because just like Monica, Michelle completely takes the mystery and the complication out of feeding our pets a healthier whole foods plant-based diet. And we do speak mostly about dogs. Cats are a little iffy. They do tend to be carnivores. So uh, we are talking mostly about dogs here. And Michelle's story is so beautiful and it's so filled with purpose. And her purpose came sadly from a tragedy. But all of that will be unveiled in our conversation today. So this is the place where every week we share the stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose This pod is a limb of Yogi Triathlete, and we are on a mission to create a better world, you guys, and we're doing it with you. So we offer triathlon and run coaching, mindfulness and meditation, yoga instruction, virtual and in-person for those of you in North County, San Diego. And then also we offer plant-based nutrition counseling. So if any of those things are of interest in you, contact us to find out more. And I just want to give a big congrats to our head coach, our head triathlete, BJ for rocking the Ironman Wisconsin course yesterday. Babe, I'm so proud of you. He went on a solo mission, right, without his big supporter, me. (laughs) And he navigated the whole thing like a master. It was just a beautiful unfolding that I got to watch from California. And then it took me even deeper into my meditations because I would sit in meditation, especially yesterday when he was on the swim. I was in meditation early in the morning and just, I was literally, I was just swimming right next to him. It was so gorgeous. So this idea that we need to be in person to connect with people, to heal relationships, to matter in the life of another is a a flawed premise. It's a flawed way of thinking. And so uh, meditation will take you there. You guys, you will definitely tap into your inner badass and find more power than you ever could imagine. Speaking of tapping in and demystifying perpetuated myths, 
Michelle May is going to break it down for you today. This girl busts through the paradigm of pet food and again, specifically dog food. She was raised in Texas, land of meat, raised vegetarian, which is so beautiful, although she had many years of eating lots and lots and lots of dairy. She did completely fall off the vegetarian wagon in her young adulthood, but found her way back through yoga and a three-day cleanse that took her from waking up drowning in her own phlegm to a level of health that she just could not believe that she could reach in such a short period of time. And this massive transformation led her to get curious about the nutrition that she was feeding her dogs. And her curiosity about this led her into deep research, which led her into this whole world that so many of us don't know about, the world of plant-based veterinarian care. From this journey, from a, such a sad tragedy that happened along the way, she is now dedicating her life to educating us all on the benefits of feeding our dogs a plant-based diet and how they can thrive. So she answers so many questions in this, but definitely check out the show notes because she is here to help you guys to answer your questions. She walked into our life in the very nick of time. We had just been told by our vet that our vet would no longer care for Clark if he continued on a vegan diet. And I was in agreement that he was not thriving. He was 10 pounds overweight. He was lethargic. And I just I just knew that he was asking me to step up and I couldn't just walk away and live in misalignment with my values and go straight to a raw meat diet as the vet was recommending. And I just asked and I meditated on finding another way and into my life walked Michelle. We sat down for coffee and she took all the mystery away. She empowered me. She answered all of my questions. And I'm happy to say that just a few months in, Clark is at his goal weight and he is thriving and he is loving the food that I am preparing. And what I love so much about it is number one, it's super easy because it's completely in line with the things that BJ and I are eating, maybe just a little less spice, but that I am in complete control of the nutrition that he is getting. And I monitor him just like I monitor myself, his energy levels, his weight. I weigh him almost every week, if not every couple of weeks at the local vet. I'm not even a customer there, but they let me go in and use the scale. And he's doing great. We thank Michelle deeply for her assistance in this. Because this, this idea, you guys, of scooping out kibble and processed food to our animals for breakfast and dinner for the rest of their lives every single day is not in alignment with their greatest health. And it's in alignment with the industry, with the brand of food that you're buying, because we're discouraged to have variety because we we're taught that it's not safe for them. When in fact, that's exactly what they need is variety to make their bodies work. And that's what we need in our bodies is variety. Maybe not so much in one meal, but variety across the spectrum to stimulate the inherent wisdom of our bodies so that our bodies are working optimally all the time. And that's what I want for Clark because he's not just my dog or my pet. He's my son. He's a family member. And so just know that this conversation has so many moments of gold in it. And it's not just for dog, like dog lovers. It's not just for people who have animals in their family. Like everything we talk about can be translated to 
the human experience. So Michelle's story is definitely one not to miss you guys. And without further ado, I mean, there's just so many layers to this beautiful, gorgeous woman inside and out. She is an Ashtangi. She is an animal ambassador. She is an entrepreneur, a nutrition coach, a yoga teacher. She is a graduate of culinary and nutrition programs of Matthew Kenny Culinary. And she is also certified in plant-based nutrition through Cornell University. She is a wealth of information and she is here for you. So definitely reach out if you are left with more questions, but get ready, you guys, because your world is about to get rocked again. We're rolling and we're going to get into it. We're psyched. All right, Michelle, welcome to the studio. We're so psyched to have you here. Thank you. Oh, and you were brought into our lives from Kathleen Kastner. Yes, the beautiful angel Kathleen Kastner. <laughs> no, isn't she? Every time, I think I described her that way, like in the intro, because every time I see her, she's just in white. Yes. No, and she's... I see so much bravery there, because anytime I buy white, <laughs> doesn't, which is why I'm always dressed in black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Kathleen owns anything that's black. She is a pastel and white only lady. Yeah, yeah she wears it she well. She looks beautiful. How yeah. did you meet her? You know, we practice at the same yoga studio. Oh, that's We're right. both at the Ashtanga Yoga Center in Carlsbad. I gotta get and, over um, there. We are part of the small fraction of it's small but passionate group of vegans there. So <laughs> we met each other and connected pretty quickly, just based on that. And um, and we've just been good friends ever since. You know, I'm glad you said that. It's really interesting the idea of you know yoga, ahimsa, and not eating animals. Yeah, and. And I've and I've and I respect I respect the perspectives and I've heard the perspective of, you know, I tried to be vegan, but it was violent to my own body. And I don't know, what is your take on all all of that? Like Well, I think that definitely for me, the my, my most important practice as a yogi is ahimsa. Um, non-harm to every other being out there and includes the planet and also includes myself. And I I am definitely sympathetic to people who have, you know, earnestly tried to be plant-based and not have been successful with that. But I firmly believe in the bottom of my heart that everyone can be plant-based. Everyone needs to eat differently. I get that. But there's such a huge amount of abundance of different types of foods to choose from. And my personal experience, what I've seen as a nutrition coach especially, is that people who are not successful on a plant-based diet the number one culprit is refined carbohydrates. Mm. So they get rid of the steaks, they get rid of the chicken, they get rid of the fish, and instead of replacing that with beans and nuts and seeds and veggies, it's a bunch of pasta, bread, crackers, cookies, because that stuff's easy. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're a new vegan, you don't really know all these veggies that you're in love with, and you don't know maybe some of the preparation techniques that really bring out the flavors. It's easy to just grab a bag of crackers and call it a day. But over time, that doesn't give you the nutrition that you need. It really wrecks people's blood sugar levels, so they suffer. You hear that a lot. You know, I just didn't have the energy when I was vegan. So um, as someone who has been mostly plant-based, like say 99% vegan since I was, um, gosh, so 12 years ago um, is when I really became mostly plant-based, I'd say the key to my success in that, increasing success, because I didn't have it figured out all at once either, but what I have come to the conclusion is that eating a wide variety of whole foods 
is the way to go. A year into us going completely plant-based, we had our blood work done and it, it was good. I mean, we were healthy, but I was like a little deficient in some of the amino acids and things like that. And it's because I hadn't fully embraced like the beans and the nuts yeah. and the seeds and the, and I was still learning. I was yeah. still learning all of it. But you shared a video today on Facebook, which I shared. Yeah, I, I then shared one, on Yogi it? Tri- It's on, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's mind-blowing to me. And this, I think, is the beauty of uh, our minds, like the human mind, that we can create something like this. Uh, but it's from Hampton Creek. And essentially, what they did... Hi, Clark. He just gave, he just gave Michelle... Came up and gave Michelle a high five. High five in <laughs> He literally just jumped on the counter and gave her a high five. He loves her. He knows that she loves animals. He appreciates everything... <laughs> She's saying, all right, Clark, we got to get on the show, dude. Come on, man. Come on, man. You can't be a wrecker. All right. So Hampton Creek, what, what this video shows, and you can go to Michelle's page, you can go to Yogi Triathlete and see this, but through the brilliance of the human mind and creativity, which is found in the present moment, yes. they have created a way to harmlessly like, create meat and not through... like a soy base or anything. It's actually meat. And um, they're harvesting the cells from, they started with this one chicken named Ian. And I was even thinking like, how are they going to get the feather off the bird? Like they're still going to have to pluck it. But they didn't. They put Ian in a little chicken coop and then the feather fell off, and they picked the feather up, yeah. and they brought it to the lab. I thought lab. that was sweet that they took the time to explain mm-hmm. that. I know. But they, <laughs> and they, it was funny because they didn't even explain it. They just kind of showed yeah. it, and then it all unfolded. But what they're doing is they're creating – they're taking the cells from that feather, and then they're feeding those cells and, and allowing them to become dense and multiply by feeding them with plants, which is what animals eat yeah. to stay healthy. And then they're actually creating meat. Yeah, it's mind blowing, it's, and it's just it's it's just such a revolutionary thing. A lot of people don't know about it. It's interesting. Um, like Memphis Meats is a company that's been quietly working on that for several years mm-hmm. with some funding, I believe, from Bill Gates and the founder of Google. So there's big money behind this. But I I don't know if you guys remember. Maybe it was four years ago. I think it was in in Germany or the Netherlands. They had produced the first cultured meat burger, and I think it was like several hundred thousand dollars because <laughs> everything that went into yeah, everything it. that went into <laughs> it, you know. And obviously, yeah. that's not going to work. But they've been working ever since on trying to get the price down, and we're getting really close. And it's so exciting because I do firmly believe that in the next four years, cultured meat or clean meat, as that industry likes to call it, will be as affordable and as accessible as factory farm meat. And that's what's going to get us out of this factory farming nightmare. You know, it's not going to be everyone going vegan, even though we are definitely growing exponentially. I think that what's really going to help cut the cord with the factory farming system is going to be the cultured meat. I know. Because it's, you know, it's what people want to eat right now. I think it's changing, but I think it's a good option. I know there's lots of vegans out there who are like, oh, gross, not for me. Yeah, you're right. It's not for you. It's, it's not for, for me. people that want yeah. to, you know, I'm not, I don't, I grew up vegetarian. I don't even really enjoy the taste of meat. I never have. But what I'm really excited about are the millions of people that do want to eat meat. And this gives them an option. And at the end of the day, it saves so many animals and it saves our planet. 
Yes. So, you know, and they can do things with the meat too. They can remove the saturated fat or some, remove the cholesterol. They can tweak it so it's healthier. Oh, that's cool. Because I yeah. was thinking, like when we were looking at it earlier, I was like, well, it's not really going to remove the health issues, but it sounds like... They can do They anything. can do just about anything. <laughs> yeah. If they're creating chicken nuggets <laughs> from a feather. And then at the, in the end of the video, they're all sitting around this picnic table and they're eating the chicken nuggets and it says like you know there's like a little line that points to the chicken nugget and it says ian and then they show the chicken walking around the table and it's like ian (laughs) it's really really weird yeah and i don't think it's for me it's not for me either but yeah it's it's that gateway it's the gateway it's getting people to convert and, you know, it's not, yes, it's about the animals. Believe me, they're so close to my heart. But it's also about this, I, I would like to have an earth totally. for all the children that are being born now yeah. into it. And, and you know, it's, it's devastating what animal agriculture is doing to our earth. And is there, a, is there a piece of that environmental impact that speaks to you? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Well, you know, I just... You know, as a yogi, I've just learned time and time again. I mean, the main lesson is we're all connected. Nothing happens in a vacuum. So what you do ultimately affects me. Now, it's one of the beautiful things about yoga is I feel like people can improve the world for other people just by their own practice because it makes you a kinder, more compassionate, more understanding, more aware person. So even if your neighbor isn't doing yoga, they're still benefiting from you doing yoga. And I think that's the whole environmental piece, why it's so crucial for people to understand. Um, So many people, well-meaning people will say, well, it's my choice to, to continue to eat animals. Well, it may be your choice, but it, it is having impact on the rest of the planet. So I think that for people who maybe don't have that connection to animals yet or who aren't really that inspired by being healthier or think that they're already healthy enough on an animal-inclusive diet, you cannot negate the fact that animal production is just destroying the planet. And, you know, a lot of people like to say, especially in Southern California, oh, well, I only eat, you know, sustainably raised, quote-unquote, humane raised meat. Well, that's great, but who decides who gets to eat that meat? Because if everyone that eats meat ate any animals that were produced that way, we would need several more planets. I mean, you see cowspiracy, that's the message. It's not sustainable any way, any shape, any form, except for this new clean meat culture. You know, like that, that's what's so exciting about it is that people can eat meat and still protect the environment. Yeah. And for a few hundred thousand dollars, you can get a six pack of nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. it'll, ch- <laughs> it'll change. Like yeah. they, they have, they, they understand the weight of getting that price down. But yeah, I, the environmental piece is something that is not talked about a lot, especially with like, even, you know, the, pr- the president that we have right now that, I mean, he's well, certainly yeah. not going to be talking about <laughs> the environmental impact of agriculture, of animal agriculture, but you know, it's the number one cause for dead zones in the ocean and rainforest, um, you know, the de- deforestation. Yeah. And then the, the, um, the, the quote unquote, healthier, more sustainable, the grass fed is actually the one of like the worst thing that you can purchase, not only because of the amount of land, but because that there's wild animals on that land. That's a great point. The wild horses. Yeah. Can you speak to like what's happening there? And and then let's take everybody out of the depression mode and tell them the (laughs) awesome thing that just happened in California with the horses. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and that's something again, we're all connected. And so people who love horses and who would never want to have anything to do with contributing to the mass slaughter of especially our wild horses, 
if you're eating meat, then you're doing that because what happens is these are public lands, but because of the lobbying power and because of the huge power of the animal agricultural industry, they're able to actually borrow these lands. These are our lands, but they're able to use them for their own purposes of growing animals. And anyone that's in the way, they get removed. So, I mean, this has happened in the past with wolves, um, with coyotes, other, you know, predators that are, you know, quote unquote predators, we're predators too, but you know, they're, they're trying to get to our food. So we have to stop them, you know, and that's kind of like the mindset. And it's the same thing with the horses because the horses are there and it's inconvenient for the agricultural industry. They get rounded up in really brutal, inhumane ways. Um, and then they get corralled and ultimately sent to slaughter in either Mexico or Canada. But actually, there's been a lot of effort to legalize slaughter in this country of horses, which I don't think anybody really wants, you know, maybe at that big agricultural level. But I don't think most Americans want that. No. Yeah. No. But what just happened in California, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, in California, they're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> California. This yeah. is why we wanted to live yeah, here. It's exactly. very progressive. Totally. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I, I think California has always been in the forefront of animal rights. And um, it's one of the really exciting things about living here is yeah. getting to be in the forefront of that. And it wasn't it like... I might be quoting it wrong, but I think it was like, was it 23, like thousand acres now are going to be yes, given back and back. that the wild horses are now going to be on that land yeah, and protected so on that land. In California, at least they're yeah. going to be safe. You know, I can't speak to other states at this point, unfortunately, but well, at least we just need to keep living the example and living yeah. within living the example within a state that tends to live the example. Yeah, when it comes to, you know, banning the use of wild animals in circuses and banning the use of orcas, you know, all of these mm-hmm. things, California tends to be in the forefront. We could do a lot more. And now, and with um, with me in particular, with dogs, I really hope to, to push the legislation quite a bit and really get dogs recognized, cats recognized as non-human animals um, and eventually all animals, you know, but we got to start somewhere. And not property. And not property, yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's, um, oh my God, there's so many places to go with you. You're so magnificent. Okay. Let's start with your story. Where did you grow up and what kind of food did you eat? And well, all that I, good stuff. it's uh, very interesting. I grew up in rural Texas as a vegetarian, the daughter of an immigrant and uh, always felt like a complete fish out of water down there. <laughs> I That's grew like me- what yeah. Austin was one of the places that we thought like maybe we'll move to Austin yeah. when we were kind of like feeling everything out. And then we both went there and I was like, Mm-mm. yeah, and I- food trucks. I thought the food trucks would be some <laughs> alternative, but 90% of them were, you know, Austin, from what I've heard, I haven't yeah. been there in a few it's years. Very it's progressive. Very, you know, and, yes, on, and where I grew up was not Austin. No, I, grew up I know <laughs> not even close. I grew up, um, outside of Houston towards Galveston, a place called Pearland. Um, and then later lived in Clear Lake. And, um, both of those places were just, I mean, I just couldn't, I can't imagine growing up in a place that was more opposite to who I am, you know, in terms of in America, at least, you know, just, um, just really not a lot of attention to health, not a lot of respect for animals. You know, the rodeo culture is huge down there and, uh, and it's all about barbecue and, and hunting and all of that stuff. So I always felt really weird and I was vegetarian because my parents were kind of hippie-ish. They had lived in California when they lived out there, they picked up vegetarianism and so that's how I always ate. And I was, um, you know, my parents weren't, 
weren't the great greatest parents. They did the best job they could. But one thing that they definitely did for me that I'm so grateful for is they instilled a love for healthy eating. So even though unfortunately we were eating a lot of candy and dairy and stuff like that, I also ate a lot of salads and a lot of vegetables. I don't even think I had a, a soda or anything until I was like nine years old. Um, they just kept us really healthy. So I think you're the first person that's been like, like you were vegetarian from birth. Yeah. And wow. then, but I did stop, I did start eating meat in my twenties, which I attribute to alcohol and drug use. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's what it would take. Yeah. Are you going to say something? Yeah. Back when you were young, so you're nine, like what was the pressure like at school or your friends? Was there, was there any pressure? I was because always you were against the grain. Yeah, no, people always called me out, you know, especially when you're a kid fitting in is so important. Um, but I have to say, I have never been afraid of sticking out. I just kind of went with it. You know, I knew from the very beginning that I was really different from the people around me, that my mom and I were both just so different. I had a lot of friends that were really affluent. We were not. Um, I just always felt just so different from everyone else. And I was okay with that. So even though, you know, people were like, oh, like, especially like people's parents Mm -hmm. would be like, oh, that's weird that you don't eat meat. Like, why don't you eat meat? I felt totally confident explaining why and never felt the pressure to acquiesce to other people's diets to make someone else comfortable. What was your why? Well, I always just loved animals, Mm. you know, and that was something, you know, my, both of my parents were just really, uh, really sweet and gentle towards other animals. And, um, that was just something that I grew up knowing, you know, it's interesting though, looking back on it, my dad was an ethical vegetarian, you know, which means that he did not even wear leather. However, we drank copious amounts of milk and ice cream and cheese. And I just feel like it was a lack of awareness. I'm pretty confident that if he had known back then what the, the truth is of the dairy industry, that, that nobody gets out alive, whether it's the cows that are born, um, the calves that are born to the cows or the cows themselves after they're spent, I'm pretty sure we would have been vegan. But I am super grateful that I was raised vegetarian and, um, and that I got to experience that and that I always had that connection to animals for sure. Did you see animals? I mean, did you go to farms? And I'm sure there's plenty of farms in yeah. in Texas. No, I yeah. wasn't really. Even though I was in a really rural area, I was mostly yeah. just like horses and stuff okay. like that. Um, I did not get to actually experience a lot of different animals, but I did grow up like with most people with dogs and cats that were members of the family. And I'm sure that the way that the dogs were treated in my family in no small way contributed <laughs> to how crazy I am for my dogs now. Because <laughs> honestly, the dogs were treated better than me. I mean, that's how my, my dad and my stepmom were. They were just fanatical about their dogs. Mm. Um, and I wasn't ever jealous. I just always was like, oh, I can't wait to have my own dog someday, you know, Aww. to have my own baby. And uh, yeah. So when did the when did the dairy fall away for you? Well, it was really because of my dog, Bodie. So I, like I said, I was eating meat. Then I got Bodie. And this was about, well, he'll be 12 um, on Bodie's Sunday. your... Bodie's my big boy. He's mm-hmm. my Vishla. He, um, <laughs> he is a, um, just a, the greatest dog. He's so sweet. He's such a weirdo, but he's so sweet. I love him so much. And um, he'll be 12 on, on Sunday. So we're celebrating his 12th birthday. <laughs> and... Um, when I got him, I just immediately just made this connection. It was interesting. I had had an experience where uh, my ex-boyfriend had a friend of the family who had purchased a pig to kill, to eat. And it just shows you how, how dulled I was in that connection. Because even though it was like, oh, that's kind of sad, it wasn't like horrific like it would be for me now. And I met the pig. We went over there and I met the pig. 
And I just left thinking, wow, that's really messed up. Whereas now that pig would have been in the backseat of your car. Yeah, whereas now I would have been driving away with the pig, <laughs> police, police lights behind me, never giving up. You know, I just, yeah, now I was just no way I would leave that pig there. But afterwards I was just like, wow, that's really messed up. Like I would never want to, to eat an animal that I've met. Like that's just, that's just kind of sick. And then... Um, so something had definitely switched in me after that experience. And then I got Bodhi and I just, it's interesting that I decided to name him Bodhi. Honestly, it was just cause it was cute. It was like a cute name, but really, if you look at the meaning behind that, you know, the Bodhisattva and the awakening, he was my awakening because I looked in his eyes and I just knew that I wanted to love all animals the way that I loved him. And that's the kind of connection that I wanted. I didn't want to have this experience with our other animals where I was taking advantage of them or using them or even worse, causing violence to them. Like I really wanted to have that sweet connection with all animals. And so I pretty, pretty much right after I got him, just stopped eating any other animals and then, um, was still doing dairy, but was very fortunate, um, through my, my first yoga studio, which was in Cleveland, Ohio, a place called karma yoga that, um, really, really grateful because that was where my practice first started. Um, the owner of that studio, a guy named Clyde Schaefer was vegan and, um, you know, he was great. He never really pushed it on people, but he was definitely going to talk to you about it, especially if you showed any interest in talking about food. And, um, he offered these cleanses through his studio and I did one. And within the first three days of eliminating dairy, all of my dog allergies went away. So I guess I should back up and say when I first got Bodhi, I found out for the first time that I was allergic to dogs. I had been raised with poodles. So oh. I had no idea that I was allergic to dogs until I got my own dog. And I suffered for about six months, just horrible. I had, um, gone to the allergist after I got Bodhi and he said, yeah, you got to get rid of the dog. And I'm like, which is, so, which happens so often yeah. with families. And that's why kids. a lot of, a lot of the dogs end up, that's your right. That's why a lot of dogs end up in rescue. Mm-hmm. And it's so tragic because it could be as simple as changing your diet. You know, I was on a hundred milligrams of Zyrtec a day, a steroid inhaler. This sounds really gross, but I would just like wake up drowning in my own phlegm because I didn't keep him out of my bed and do all this stuff like I was supposed to. Of course not. And then I got Bambi and it was twice as worse, but I was just like, you know, I had actually experienced quite a bit of um, environmental allergies as a kid. So I kind of just thought that was my thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And now looking back on it, I'm sure it was all food related because three days after giving up dairy, all the allergies went away. And that was a really easy switch. And I just happened around that time, I read a book called Skinny Bitch, which I think a lot of people, it's a, it's a really clever title because a lot of women, I think especially get that book. It's like, oh yeah, I want to be skinny. Yeah, I want, <laughs> I'm already a bitch. <laughs> yeah, so right. Just make me skinny. <laughs> totally. But that's a sneaky book because they put a lot of information about the horrors of um, the dairy industry. I haven't read that book. That's Rory Friedman. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I haven't read that book, but I've, I heard she got like really a lot of backlash and I'm sure she's yeah. Yeah, I'm sure because it's really brave to write. It was because it wasn't like, you know, it it gets sold. It gets marketed as like this diet book, but it's really gets into the ethics of it. So that joint realization that a, I was still contributing massively to harming other animals by eating dairy and B that I was contributing massively to harming my own body (laughs) by eating other animals um, and their secretions. It was just a no brainer for me. Yeah. So at that point I became, like I said, about 99% plant-based. I still did eat some fish until about seven years ago. So you've got 
Oh, fish. Yeah. yeah fish. Let's, let's, you know what? Hold out, right? Hold on. Hold on. People, let's bag up. It's one of the last things. So it's I feel like it's even then, more than, the, like, I feel like the whole, like, well, I just do chicken. I yeah. feel like that's starting to yeah. fall away. But the fish, especially living near Especially living here. And that's so ocean. funny. It was when I moved here when I was like, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm like, so can I cuss on this show? You can do whatever you want. I was like, so I love all animals, but fuck fish. Like, what's up with that? You know, and and I'm a Pisces, so it's like almost cannibalistic. So I was just like, you know, I can't do it anymore because it didn't make sense. Just from like a logical perspective, I was like, that's crazy. And that was why it was just an, an easy one for me. But then you, you learn like the bycatch and yes. all the devastation that's happening. Ugh. And just, I think the, the fish is so easy to keep the veil down on because we can't we don't see, see mm-hmm. in there. And we don't recognize them as us. I know. Right. You look at a fish and you don't see anything. You just see like this almost inanimate object, you know, like the idea of fishing, it's like, it's like America's pastime, you know? Right. And I mean, there's, there's funny it's people that know that I, how I care about animals. Like if I will, like if they're posting a fishing picture or something and I'll kind of be like, you know, I try to send private messages. I try not to call people out in public because right. that's my intention isn't to shame. It's just to spread awareness and to understand. And I'll say, well, you know, I'm sure they wanted to live. And they're like, oh, well, it's catch and release. Okay, so you just scare the shit out of them and throw them back or put a Harming them. Yeah. So I just feel like fishing, eating fish, all of that, it's not this harmless pursuit. And we're learning more and more. I wish I could remember the name of it, but there was an amazing book that came out in the past uh, two years about the psychology of fish and how intelligent they are Mm. and that they do have families and they do have emotions and they like all living beings, they, they, they want to be here. They're going to do everything they can to survive. And, um, I think that that's one of our biggest, uh, challenges really as, as humans is finding, is finding the, the recognition in other beings, the ones that we look the least like is the hardest, right? Like you look at your dog and you see those eyes looking right back at you and you see, make that connection. What if you look at a lizard? What if you look at a spider or a shrimp, you know, can you still make that connection? Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've really worked on very actively. It's my empathy towards animals that maybe I don't really naturally, that doesn't come to me like an insect. You know, I think for a lot of people, they're like, ew, gross. But if you really think about it, it's like, no, it's not ew, gross. It's beautiful. Just like every other being on the planet. It's so miraculous. And yeah. because they're small, they're small. You could consider them insignificant. Like yeah. there's, there's tons of them. And the other day there was a bee, I was getting out of the pool after swimming and a bee had just flown on me and I sort of, my intention was to yeah. flick it off and it went right back into the water. Oh. And I'm like, I can walk away and go take yeah. my shower. You couldn't walk away. <laughs> no way. So oh. I jumped back in the water. And got, I'll save got you. Yeah. <laughs> he grabbed the life, the lifesaver. Yeah, I threw him, and... threw him over and reeled him back in and gave him CPR. And, um, but then, but that was just an experience. Like there was nobody at the pool except the lifeguard and me, but, and I wasn't doing it for anybody, yeah. but it was just like, it just felt when right. you, when you talk about that ahimsa, it's like, Everything like non harm to everything because that, that bee was drowning, right? It was suffering, and he didn't need to suffer. Like, well, and that's the other thing. Watch. People yeah. get caught up on. They're like, oh, well, if you really want to do the best job for the planet, you should just kill yourself because you're you're using resources and polluting just by being here. <laughs> and it's like, okay, let's just back up a little bit. No one ever said being vegan was about being perfect because that's impossible. Being vegan for me is about doing the least harm possible the least harm that I can do to myself, to the planet, to everybody else. And, you know, of course that's not perfect. Sometimes 
oh, it, it breaks my heart, but sometimes I'll step on a snail in the morning and it's like oh, the worst. God, so many snails. There's so it's many worst. snails it's, here. It's so, I know. And I would try, but sometimes it just happens and I feel horrible. It's Does that worst. mean I'm going to give up being vegan and start eating hamburgers because I stepped on a snail? No. It means I'm going to be more careful when I walk in the morning to try not to do that again. But that's, that's you know. I feel like they're on a mission. They come out <laughs> like, at night on the sidewalk. They haven't evolved yet <laughs> right. to get out of the way. But yeah, I know. I just pick them up and move them as much as I can. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Just what like walking on the earth, just walking on the earth, we're going to do harm. Yeah. Right. So just to that person who would say like, you should just kill yourself. I've actually had like, people tell me that. Mags, that's a really intelligent that's, that's statement. That's just, <laughs> really intelligent. Yeah. But that's, that's not being aware like of what you're truly trying to convey. Like, yeah. Right. They're in their pattern. It's progress. Yeah. It's progress. Yeah. It's but. progress. Not, I mean, not saying that it's progress, but it's just about, it's progress, not perfection, right? We're totally. going to harm the earth just by walking on it. Look at what we do to the earth. Like we're sitting right now in like a studio that was built on the earth and now the earth has to, you know, bear that weight mm. for us so we can have comfort. So we're, we're going to be harming. We're going to be creating new karma all the time just because yeah. we live on the earth. But I try and limit that as much as I possibly can like if I have a goal in life it's like okay let's create the least amount of karma that I possibly can well yeah and the and then the opportunity is there to be the good steward of the planet that you were that we were meant to be you know and that's the thing that also that people forget is like how much good impact they have because so many times people will say well I don't know why I would go vegan because it's not like it's going to make a difference if it's just me and that's one of the saddest things for me to hear because people are giving up their power in that moment and not realize wanting what a huge impact they can have. I mean, think about just the three of us being vegan, like how much impact we've had on helping other people go vegan and, and all the animals' lives that we've saved and, and our, just our, our diets alone. So I think that um, unfortunately people have really been disempowered by the belief that what they do doesn't matter. And that's, if there's one message that I am here on this earth to, to share, it's like never underestimate your impact and it doesn't have to be a massive action. It could be a thought because thoughts and actions and words are all the same. They carry a charge and if everything is, is energy, those are energy. So, you know, not indulging in negative thoughts. That, that is a huge impact. And like you were saying, um, with yoga, it's like everybody around you benefits and that's Mm -hmm. just a spiritual law that like if you meditate and especially if you if you are one of those lucky beings that gets to reach this um super conscious state of samadhi in this lifetime you benefit seven generations behind you and seven generations ahead of you wow yeah it's really it's the ultimate cleanse cleansing karmic cleansing all right so you've got Bodhi, you have no more allergies because three days off of dairy, you're like finding the light and Bambi, who's Bambi? Bambi <laughs> is my other girl. So she, um, so I, I've got Bodhi, Bambi. I always say I have two and a quarter dogs because I've got two Vishlas and a Chihuahua oh, that's right. <laughs> and he's so little. So, um, Bambi is, uh, she's a year younger than Bodhi. So she'll be 11 this year. And then little Pablito, um, is that the baby. Chihuahua? Yes. <laughs> Little Pablicito. He is about three years old, we think. And tell us about Benji. When did Benji come into your life? So this is the main story right here. Oh, well, Benji. um, We want to honor. He was my sweet boy. He, um, so I should say, um, just to kind of put it out there, that I got Bodhi and Bambi. I bought them, I bought them from breeders. 
didn't know better, you know, just, and I think it's just a good, it's a good thing to remember that nobody's perfect. And like very few of us were born vegan. And so we all can benefit from mistakes. And that's why when I hear about people still buying dogs now, I try to be really patient with them because I was there once. You it's, know? Re- it's really hard. We bought Clark from a breeder and we were in a situation, we were in this woman's house and I had to get that dog out of there. He was infested with like fleas. a backyard breeder. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. She had like a bathroom with like a bunch of dogs in it. This oh other God. room that must have had like ten dogs the in it was in the living room. Built box in the living room. Yeah, there was like a big like, litter box. Who wants in to the live like room? that? I mean, the dogs disgusting. living like that's horrible. What, what human wants to live? Yeah, like it was that. just it was it was it was really gross. It was just oh, a backyard breeder. And so here I am paying her a ton of money for this animal. And we didn't even have the money. We owed the government money at that time. <laughs> like we, I was just like, but I have to get him out of here. Oh. So it's that forgiveness, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, I did that. Yes, I, 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 I got him out, but I, I told her it was okay to keep doing it. Like, and I don't know how to reconcile that. So I just have to. But you have find a peace by by, by ta- sharing this story right now. You know, yeah. by helping spread the awareness that people should not be buying dogs yeah. and cats. You know, I think very few people understand that about ten thousand dogs every day in this country are euthanized in shelters because there's no home for them. I mean, that, that, that's like 3 million dogs a year. So, um, and these are, it's just because people are greedy and they keep pumping out more dogs instead of homing the ones that we have already. And so Benji was my first foray into rescue. My ex and I moved to Colorado and I decided it was time to get another pup and, um, that I was going to rescue this time. So I contacted Colorado, Wyoming beach, rescue, um, because I do, I do really have a, a soft spot for Vishlas. Um, if you've never experienced one, I mean, all dogs are incredible. I mean, bar none. But Vishlas are really silly, and they call them Velcro dogs, which I love. For me, my dogs are my therapy dogs. I want them to like smother me and be around me all the time. <laughs> and that's what they do. And that's what they do. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I contacted Vishla Rescue. They, as it turned out, they had a, a young male that was being fostered, but the foster family was going out of town for the weekend. And so it worked out that we could keep him for the weekend just to see how it turned out. You know, because I worked from home, um, I should say I've been, I was working as a web developer. And so it was really nice because I was doing contract work and was at home with Bodie and Bambi all day. So they were really chill. You know, they got lots of, uh, lots of exercise, lots of attention. And uh, we show up to get this dog. His name was Champ. We walk down to the basement of the foster family and they have him in a crate and she opens the crate. It's so cold down there. And I was like, why do they have a dog down here? It was like freezing, but she opens the crate and he leaps out like he had springs on his feet. And my first thought was, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Because Vishas are known for having a lot of energy, but I think that's more of an issue when they just don't get a lot of attention. So here was a dog who was not getting enough attention or enough exercise, and he just was bouncing like Tigger just everywhere. Um, but we're like, okay, well, we'll take him home and see how it goes. I got in the back seat with him, and he immediately climbed on top of me and just started kissing my face off. And I was like, yeah, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> I will never give him back. This is my this is my son. And so we had decided to name him Benji. Um, he's Benji with an, an extra eye on the end because he had a really long tail. Um, most speechless, which is really sad, have their tails docked. Um, my other two had. But him, I think he must have come from a backyard breeder. He had his really long table clearing tail. <laughs> and um, I just, it was love at first sight. I just was so enraptured with him. I mean, he needed me, but I needed him just as much. I have some pictures from the first couple of days we spent together and it's mostly just in bed. And bed was a novelty for him that never wore off. 
when I first uh, adopted him, the bottom of his feet were like rose petals. They were so soft because he had literally never been walked. And what the, I guess the story was that he had got picked up by Vichla Rescue from the pound. And when he had got turned into the pound, they contacted his, I don't like this word, but I'll say it in this case, owners, because that's what they were. They just owned him. They didn't love him. And they just said, oh, we're busy. We have a kid. We can't deal with him. So I guarantee you what they did was they got this beautiful status dog because Vishla's are gorgeous. And then they promptly threw him in the backyard. Vishla's, anyone that knows, you know, you Google Vishla's and you look it up for five minutes, you know, they are not backyard dogs. They are, they were bred and um, they've been around since the 1500s to be the birding dogs of the Hungarian nobility. So they won't even sit on the ground. Like you have to put something down for them. They're like super spoiled (laughs) and they, they need people. They like, they have to be around people. And so I'm assuming they put him in the backyard and he just kept jumping out and they were just, they were just over it. Oh, and so, get, oh, this dog keeps getting, getting out. Getting out. Like we don't have yeah. time for him anyways. So um, he was this shy, skinny little boy. I called him Benji the Champ for like a week to kind of transition him mm-hmm. <laughs> to his new name. <laughs> he is just the best dog. And it was so remarkable and so magical to witness this transformation over the next three years because I definitely helped heal him a lot. But my other dogs did as well. I mean, they really taught him the ropes. He was just this shy, skinny boy when I got him. And by the time of his death, he was confident, naughty, chubby. He was <laughs> naughty. a happy boy. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, he's my soulmate. You know, I, I think about him nonstop every day. And I think I probably always will. And so this, this podcast is about you know, people who are looking or finding or living their purpose. And purpose sometimes comes out of the craziest situations yeah. and in in your case came out from a very tragic yeah. experience that happened and can you share that and it's yeah you can say whatever you want and you can cry too oh sure <laughs> yeah the tears are already rolling because he has given you purpose you yes. know and this is the thing like people may say like I don't know what my purpose is it doesn't it doesn't matter you don't yeah. have to find that out it's it's it'll find you mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's every moment just living, living every moment on, on purpose will bring you to your purpose because as you're about to remind everyone, life is so precious. Yeah. You know, he, um, he definitely, I did, he definitely didn't stick around as long as I would have wanted him to, but he had a purpose and he still has a purpose. And, you know, so I guess it was about, so it's been about three years. We were on our way to go for a hike and somebody hit my car and to this day, I don't know what they were doing, um, why they weren't paying attention, but they hit my stopped car going about 50 miles an hour and ripped the whole back end of the car off. And, um, I had all three dogs in the car, Benji and Bambi got ejected. So Benji was ejected about 50 feet. Thank goodness died on impact. You know, I don't, I, I don't know how I would have ever made peace if I had seen him in, in pain and suffering, you know? So I'm, I'm grateful that he didn't suffer. And I'm also grateful that I didn't lose all three dogs because I don't think I'd be here today. You know, they, they're everything to me. And Bambi and Bodie were the biggest comfort for me after his death. So I was definitely in a, in a daze for a few years after he died. It's still really painful for me. You know, I just finished a, um, a six week grief processing course where at the end of that, we wrote a letter to our, to our lost ones and talked about our, our forgivenesses, our, um, our apologies and our, our significant emotional statements and doing that 
I really dreaded doing it, but it was so healing and it really did make things a little lighter for me. And the other thing that's been the most healing process for me is starting this company in his name, you know, because I knew as soon as he passed away that I had to honor him in some way. It just means so much to me. But I wasn't sure what that looked like. I knew that as he got older, for him personally, my plan was to do um, a lot of therapeutic work with him because everybody loved him so much. I mean, my other dogs are super friendly, but Benji was next level. A few people would come over and they'd be like, oh, he really likes me. Like, yeah, he really likes everybody. (laughs) (laughs) My friend called him Benji the slut because literally he would just saddle up to anybody and be like, hey, I'm Benji. You want to make out? You know? He would like bring, he was bringing joy. Oh, he was just, he was such a lover. And he was, you know, a rambunctious boy and a big boy. But I knew as he got older and calmed down, like he would be fantastic to take into either retirement communities or to work with children because he's so loving and so gentle. Um, And so... My first thought after I could even consider anything after he died was like, you know, maybe doing some sort of um, rescue work and having having group homes, you know, called Benji's House, where I could pull dogs out of high kill shelters, especially senior dogs, and have them come live their lives out in this in this home setting. Or, you know, if we could find a, a great home for them, do that as well. But in the meantime, have them working in the community because the reality is And it's so sad that we haven't come to a conclusion like this on a societal level yet. But the reality is, is that animals' biggest resource, it isn't their meat, it isn't their labor, it isn't their skin, it isn't any of the other, you know, millions of different ways that we choose to exploit them. Their biggest gift to us is their love. And that is the thing that we have most lacking right now on this planet. That's the thing we need the most is love. And here we have this untapped resource, especially, I can't think of a more loving being on this planet than a senior dog. And yet they get thrown away like trash every single day. That's still a part of my plan. I would love to be able to to fund a series of group homes for dogs. I would go live at Benji's house. Yes, I would love to live there. I think I've got <laughs> like at least a list of 20 people that would yeah. say, I will mm-hmm. live at Benji's house. So yeah. so that people know that what happened to the other your other kids. Well, um, they were, you know, everybody... Everybody was, you know, hurt to varying degrees. Remarkably, myself and my roommate at the time who were in the car were not hurt at all. Heartbroken beyond belief. She was really close with Benji too. But Bambi, um, I think maybe Benji must have, you know, I think he must have kept her from, from falling out as far because she didn't, she really just fell out maybe like five or 10 feet of the car and she completely shattered her, her front left leg and had to have a titanium plate put in. And Bodhi... My big scaredy cat boy, who's always just hated the car, he was hunkered down, so he didn't get ejected. So they were they were safe, but we were all just in kind of a daze. And at that point, I was working full time um, as a web developer, and um, the company was really progressive company. You know, had decided not to give me any time off to grieve, even though that was part of their policy because Benji was quote unquote just a dog. So that was kind of the death knell for that job. (laughs) And I just really wanted to be at home with my other dogs. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking, as soon as the grief subsided a bit, I started thinking of how to get out of that situation and to to be on more of a trajectory that felt consistent with with the way that I want to live my life. You know, I've always liked web development and web designing, and I'm sure that you can totally empathize Mm -hmm. with this. It's great. You know, it gave me a lot of freedom creatively. It gave me a lot of freedom to work with who I wanted to, to live where I wanted to live, to be at home with my dogs. But I was never passionate enough about it to make it 
a thing big enough to sustain me the way that I really wanted to be sustained and the, and to be able to have like a bunch of animals, you know, there's no way I could figure out how to get to a from A to Z with that. Um, but what I am grateful, and again, I'm sure that you can relate is that it gave me the tools to be able to do a lot of that stuff for my own Absolutely. company. Oh my you know, God. Companies. Huge. I mean, the money you save just be having the skills to understand. And when you do yes. the coding and you have the knowledge of that, that knowledge transfers to everything else because totally. you understand the, the logic behind it and you can teach yourself basically anything. Yeah. And the draw, I think to the web design stuff is like, you're, you're constantly learning figuring things out and then you accomplish it and you're like, yeah, like I figured that out. I yeah. can go read about it and learn the step, but I figured it out myself and now I can use that tool and that just kept you coming back. But totally. to have that skill, both of us to have that for our own businesses is, is so tremendous. Like yeah. there's so much we can do for ourselves. And as we scale and we eventually have to hand off that stuff to other people, we have such a good understanding about it Absolutely. that I think it's just, it's something that will serve us long-term, but it wasn't enough for me, you know? And I just, I was thinking like, how, what can I do that is going to make me happy? You know? And ultimately I came to the conclusion that service, it's all about service. You know, it's all about finding ways to help others. That's the key to sustaining happiness. And I wasn't sure what that looked like at first. You know, I've been a, a, a long time yogi and I've done teacher training. And so I did teach yoga for a little bit, but that wasn't, it just wasn't the thing for me. So I, I was also doing nutrition coaching, which I still do and I still love doing. But for me, the intersection of animals and food is my happy place. <laughs> it's my two favorite things. And there's a huge need there. Yeah. The whole reason why you and I were brought together was because I needed help and you helped me so much. Oh, so just you. so people understand how Michelle helped me. I had a two-year-old golden retriever, Clark, that most people who listen to this know. Hopefully they're not getting too sick of him. But <laughs> no, some people say that they possible. love him. They're like, I love when I hear him drinking water. I'm like, oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> but he was on um, a vegan dry food and he was gaining weight. And not only was he gaining weight, and I could just, I'm very sensitive to energy and, and, and like I can just sense things. I'm very intuitive. Yeah. And even before like he started gaining weight, I was just like, there's something, oh, there's something there that's not 100%. And I felt like his, he was lethargic and he wasn't that excited like he used to be and I'm like something is changing in him and uh it, it was the food and he wasn't thriving on his food well it's kind of like what we were saying at the beginning of our conversation like human vegans yes mm -hmm. you know it's the refined carbohydrates he was eating basically vegan cereal yeah but, but first we were trying to I was trying to exercise him yeah. thinking like okay he's not being exercised yeah. enough maybe I need to run oh, him yeah a little bit more Goldens, you don't really run, and I never, we never ran Harry, our other Golden, but Clark, from the start, like, I could go, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes with him, so now I was starting to go, like, two or three miles with him, like, maybe this will help yeah. jumpstart things, as you would a human, like, yeah. you would just, if you exercise, you burn carbs, like, your metabolism but it right. wasn't, but, but nothing was happening, and, like, mm. in, scary, like, what we say to humans, like, you can't exercise, you can't out-exercise mm -hmm. a crappy diet, totally. and the fact was, he had a crappy diet, because he was eating highly processed foods, and I know you know a lot about this, and, and I think you can dispel some myths for people, but Kathleen, when Kathleen came over here for the interview, she was like, oh, Clark. And I'm like, I'm so, it was right, like literally it was like the day after I had gone to the vet and the vet, the vet basically said, this dog cannot be our patient anymore if you continue to feed him a vegan diet. What? That's that. 
And so I don't want to sentence this vet as being horrible (laughs) because actually in that same appointment, she did something very, very cool for us that, um, that, that, um, basically protected his health. She did something very, very cool, which actually wasn't legal, but it was very cool that she did it. And she did it in, um, in support of of Clark's health, but essentially said like, he can't come here anymore and you need to feed him a raw meat diet. And I, I left there with all these pamphlets on raw meat diets and where I needed to buy the food. And oh, I felt like I was kind of being brainwashed because I was like, okay, okay. And then I left and I just said to BJ, I'm like, I have to get, I, I can't, like, I, Clark's health is number one. It's number one. I get that. I'm not going to lose sight of that. But I feel like I, there's, there's another step in yeah. between than me just going to like voting yes. Because the options for, aren't just dry kibble, dry vegan kibble or raw meat. Right. <laughs> there's got to like be something. Like, these are the two options. So, so I did a, go a lot one. of research and the thing that was happening was I wasn't finding anything online that was there good. And if there was like canned food, yeah. I would have had to feed them like 10 cans a day. It would have been like a million dollars. And, but I said, I'm like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a way and I'm going to give it a shot and I'm going to, and Clark is, is here to to help me step up like like my other dogs have done like harry did like lassa did lassa taught me how to serve like Mm. i will be forever indebted to that animal because she taught me to serve and clark asked me to take another step up and find another way for him to thrive and that's when you walked into my life and we sat down and we had coffee at the awesome Ironsmith coffee in Encinitas and you helped me just take the, you, it was so easy. It was like, I walked away like, okay, I already, like, I should have already known all of this, yeah. but you just were like, okay, he's this weight and you want him to be this weight. So, you know, I would do millet or buckwheat and sweet potatoes and like to the point where I'm going to put a recipe now in our, our cookbook, um, thanks to you. And, uh, of course we'll give you some, we'll give you the credit Aww. for that. But, um, but yeah, and now he's down to the weight he needs to be. So what was he before? He was, he was 70, like he was 75, 76 pounds and they wanted him to lose like almost 10 pounds. And what is he now? Mm-hmm. 69.5. We do weigh-ins on, wow. we go to, we go to Monday, this vet, we go to this vet down the street that we don't even go to. We're just like, oh, we're here for the weigh-in. They're like, oh, and what's his name? Like they're going to pull it up. I'm like, Clark. And then I run out the door because I'm like, he's not a patient here. We just use the scale every week. So it's like Weight Watchers. That's so funny. But anyway, um, yeah, so I mean, we're just so, I'm so indebted to you and I'm so grateful for how the universe works. Like, Mm -hmm. and it, and, and it came from a conflict. My dog wasn't thriving. Um, I got kicked out of the vet. I couldn't find anything online. And so I had to find another way, you know, and, and, and what you're about to explain and how Benji's canine cuisine came to life was like, it came from conflict. It came from heartbreak and, and it asks you to step up. Mm-hmm. And I find that that's what purpose does. It asks you to step up. Like, no, completely. I mean, I, I I had the same issues that you did. I have Vislas, so we did not deal with any, you know, weight, too much weight because they tend to be very thin dogs. But I definitely did not feel like they were thriving on their diet, you know. So if we back up about seven years ago, no, it's been more so more like eight or nine years ago, <clears throat> pardon me, when I was in Colorado, I went and visited a very well-meaning, holistic vet who completely disempowered me from doing a homemade diet. You know, you're going to give them deficiencies, same thing. Here's some information about the raw meat diet. This is what healthy dogs eat, you know, and I left there going, okay, how am I supposed to feed three big dogs this very expensive diet? Because if you're doing it all like organic, 
you know, free range. Like we get back to this, this like pie in the sky, clean, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, humane quote unquote meat. It's like, it's super expensive. I'm vegan. I don't want to deal with a bunch of animal carcasses. That's part of the reason I'm vegan, (laughs) you know? And so I was like, okay, well, I guess kibble it is. So I did taste of the wild and, um, they liked it. You know, I, I was doing tons of other stuff, always giving them lots of produce. I mean, they're my dogs, so they've been eating tons of raw veggies since they were, you know, born basically. But, um, they're eating mostly taste of the wild. And then this was about 2008. I think there was a recall, like a China recall. And I just felt like, just so crestfallen about it. I'm like, here I am. Like, these are the most important people in my life to me are these dogs. And I have no control over whether they die from the food they're eating because I don't have any control over how it's made. So I contacted a, um, oh, and then I should say I read a book. So this makes me really excited that you're going to put the recipe in your book because that's kind of how my journey got started was I read a book by a really fantastic raw chef out of LA named Annie Fio. And um, it was just a raw a raw recipe book. At the end, though, there was a recipe for her dog who was a big-ass Rhodesian Ridgeback that she had rescued, <laughs> like a big dog, even bigger than a Vishla. And I knew from social media that this dog, the book was four years old, that th- this dog was still alive and kicking. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea the dog could be vegan. Like, what about that? So like you, went online. There was nothing I could find that I felt like I could trust. I mean, pretty much everything you find online now even – really relies heavily on synthetic supplementation, which I'm not a huge fan of long-term. Um, but I, I Googled vegan vet California and, um, Armadi May came up. She is, um, a really amazing person. She's up in Malibu. She's a vet and has done so much to help, um, really educate people about the benefits of a plant-based diet. And she helped me so much. She came over and we talked about it and to, to make things easy for a transition, I don't necessarily, I don't recommend this now knowing what I know, but it was easy to transition. I did um, half V-Dog, which had just come out um, and which she had helped formulate, and then half whatever I wanted, you know, whatever veggies and different things I wanted to put on there. And we did that for a couple months, but I wasn't satisfied with it. I was, you know, increasingly getting more picky about my own diet. So of course I was getting, you know, picky about their diet as well. And V-Dog's a dry food, V-Dog is a dry food. And I'm so grateful to V-Dog. I would never say anything disparaging about them because they have helped so many dogs live uh, a healthier, um, and less harmful, you know, on the planet diet. There's just actually, um, a big article that just came out, um, in the LA times because, um, one of the universities did a, a long-term study on the environmental impacts of companion animals on the 150 million dogs and cats and their diets on this planet. And it's not small. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the link if you want to put it in the yeah, show. Yeah, notes. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, as much as I as I love V Dog for what they do, I don't personally consider it to be health food. Um, the first three ingredients I believe are uh, pea protein, brown rice, and canola oil. And I just um, I'm okay with peas. I don't know about pea protein. Um, I I think grains can be okay as long as they're handled correctly. And I don't think canola oil has any business being in a dog's regular diet. So. I just couldn't do it. And I noticed things like, especially Benji, um, it's interesting with Benji, you know, like think about digestive systems and how intricate they are and how much they are attached to our emotional systems. It's always very interesting to me that Benji, unlike Bodhi and Bambi, had more sensitive digestion. 
his poop wasn't as solid. He didn't, he would get colds sometimes, like runny nose. My other dogs never got that. And I think it was because when he was younger, he just ate really crap food and just his microbiome never really fully developed. But that changed, you know, once I switched his diet. And I noticed that with the V-Dog, I smell like, like stinky ears and sometimes see goopy eyes and things like that. And I knew it was from the food. So I just took the plunge and decided to just start doing it myself with really no knowledge, but the confidence that real food is what dogs should eat. And, um, so at that point I was making them a combination of, uh, quinoa and sweet potatoes. And then I juice a lot. So we take the juice pulp and throw that in there, but doing a hundred percent organic for them doing things like nutritional yeast and flax oil to make sure that they were still getting B12 and omega-3s and things like that that sometimes can be challenging to get on a plant-based diet. Honestly, it can be challenging to get on the standard American diet as well, I should say. But just really just, you know, saw how voraciously they ate and how happy they were with it. And um, I just did that pretty much for a couple of years. Um, But my research with Benji's has definitely had a huge impact on how I feed my dogs because... Um, I now know that variety is really important too. And, and I love that. That totally yeah. takes the pressure off of me because I had a big zucchini in there and yeah. we had like plenty of zucchini. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to throw it on the stove with some stocks from some rainbow chard that we yeah. had. The night. And, that, and that's what I love about it is like there's zero waste. Zero waste. We don't, we can't, <laughs> like there's no place for us to compost yeah. here. In, you in have a compost. You have a really cute furry composter. We have a really cute furry <laughs> composter. And, and like your dog's, he loves vegetables. Yeah. Like his nickname is Kale Stock <laughs> because he loves Kale, kale Stocks. He's crazy. Uh, he can hear you. I call him Sticks. I'm like, hey, kids, you want some sticks? <laughs> oh, my God. He like, <laughs> him in the as kitchen. soon as you take that first leaf off, he's like right there. Well, you can imagine I have a lot of Kale Stocks now. Yeah. Being in the line From the of kale work tips. that I know. <laughs> we still have to talk about this company, too. All right. So, um, so yeah, variety is super variety important. Variety is so important. You know, um, so... Unfortunately, we've all been we've all been tricked into believing by these marketing companies that are masquerading as food companies that dogs need to eat the same thing every day. That's the way we keep them safe. That's the way we make sure that they don't get sick. That's the way we make sure that they're happy. And all those things are just blatant lies. Because what happens when you feed any animal the same thing every day? You get deficiencies, you get uh, sensitivities, and you get sick of it. You know, it's like no wonder that dogs get sick of eating their food. If I ate the same thing every day, I'd be done after like two days. I mean, even my favorite thing, I love avocado toast. I But do I want to eat that every day for the rest of my life? No. And, you know, it's like with the, like you were saying about the breakfast cereal, you know, it's the same thing. You know, if... Um, Let's say you go to the grocery store to pick out a breakfast cereal because commercial dog food is the same thing. Ultra-refined carbohydrates with all the nutrients sucked out in that high-heat, super-processed um, way that they make the food, and then synthetic nutrients pumped back in. Breakfast cereal. So you go pick out a cereal, and then you take it home, and then you eat it for breakfast and dinner every day for the rest of your life. It makes zero fucking sense for anyone to eat that way. It's insanity if you think about it. It's just crazy, but this is how we've all, and you know, and it doesn't have a damn thing to do with dog's health. It helps boost their sales by having that regular food that they can just constantly push to people. And it makes our lives more convenient, but convenience shouldn't be the benchmark of why we do something, you know? And I tell people with, with their dog, with their own food and with their dog's food, you pay for it now, you pay for it in the end. And it's the, 
um, quality of life that gets sacrificed if you make the wrong decision with that. So, you know, I think that, um, that variety is key for so many reasons. Um, but I was working with a, I still am working with a, a holistic veterinary consultant named Jan Allegretti, who's in Northern California, who I have just oodles of gratitude for. She just has taught me so much. And, um, she was the one that's like, yeah, what you're doing is great, but they're eating that every day. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, no, you don't eat that way. You know, she's like, mix it up a little bit. So I don't do anything half-assed. So now they just get so much Because you're a Pisces. Yes. <laughs> I know very well about being a Pisces. Full force variety. So, and to, to speak on what you were saying, I, I eat more variety too now because like that zucchini in the fridge, if I'm going to cut it up for the dogs, I might as well cut up the other half for me as well. And, uh, and that's something that I personally do to make sure that I have a lot of variety for them is I just keep a lot of that stuff around. You know, we all meal prep, you know, a lot of us meal prep for ourselves, especially people that are healthy and trying and are busy and want to make sure that they're staying clean with their diet. Meal prep is really the only way I know of to, to make sure that happens. It's the same for my dogs. So every week, you know, I spend a couple of hours getting all the veggies chopped up and cleaned and put in mason jars so that during the week, if I want to make a meal for myself or for my dogs, it's literally a 10 minute process. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's just creating a new habit. You know, yeah, it's, I was blend. telling you that, you know, I'm pretty new at this and, and we still had a little bit of the dry food left. And so there was like that little transition, but I was like, I couldn't wait for it to be done because I just felt like I was smelling the, just scooping it out. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt like I was dumbing down his nutrition well, by doing it. And the fact that dog food is a euphemism for something disgusting. I mean, it says it all right there, right? <laughs> like that's so sad. Oh, well, the, I know. the whole thing we realized now too is the wet canned food, right? You scoop it out and you don't want to touch it or anything. Yeah. But when we make his food yeah. now, it's like, oh, so I have there. some stuff on my fingers. I'll just lick it off. <laughs> totally. Like it's like yams and sweet potatoes. It's like, so it's good. Like, so, like sometimes I hold the bowl up to BJ. I'm like, look at this meal. This is amazing. Like, <laughs> and his favorite, what I found is his favorite thing is like peas and broccoli. He loves oh, yeah. that like pureed. Mm. So it's like super bright green. Yeah. And then sweet potatoes, which he goes nuts for. And then like maybe a combination of like, you know, quinoa and millet or just millet or something like yeah. that. And then nutritional yeast, little black pepper, some yeah. um, turmeric. And yeah. I don't know, is it turmeric or turmeric? Or does it even matter? I don't think I'm it going, matters. I'm flip-flopping. I'm going, today, <laughs> today I'm going It's really to good tumer- for you. Turmeric. <laughs> but you want the black pepper to activate it. And then, um, yeah, what did I say? Nutritional yeast. And then I do a little bit of fortified, like on your recommendation, a little bit of fortified um, almond milk. Yeah. And I mix it all up and I'm like, holy crap, this is freaking amazing yeah it's I mean, delicious it's real food and they eat it with such gusto i mean yeah he digs yes. it big time they yeah. just they just devour it and there's none of that oh this is gross or i don't i'm sick of this because you get that from dogs so much where they're just like no no thank you yeah and it's not and then they f- smell all of our food which is so unfair because they smell everything that we're eating <laughs> and then they're getting that it's just i know so now we just make we just make three plates essentially is what yeah. we do but what I was going to say is that we've even new into this whole thing about creating his own food. We traveled. We drove 15 hours both ways to Boulder. Wow. And we drove to Santa Rosa and back, which is another eight or nine hours, depending Each on way. how you go. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, had his, I had his homemade food with him the whole time. I have a couple. I have like a little stash of Halo wet food. Yeah. 
But I feel like I'm going to have to donate that because I never even touch it. Like, just in case I'm in a pinch. Yeah. But I was never in a pinch. So the night before we left, and plus, I don't, like you, I don't do anything half-assed. So like when we hit the road, like, that car, we were joking at our last meeting, it's like five grocery bags, and then, like, the tiniest little bag is, like, our clothes and stuff. <laughs> it's like the whole car is, like, groceries. And the Vitamix. <laughs> yeah, and the Vitamix. Of I travel with my juicer, so I get <laughs> totally. it. Totally. <laughs> everything comes with us. And I just prepped everything the night before so that he would have enough food until we got to where we were going and then I always make sure we stay somewhere where we have a kitchen totally or at least a fridge like you can get pretty inventive in a hotel room and and it was no big deal so for people to think like oh it's just another thing it that's that's silly that's silliness because you're not you're in the future you're not in the moment and you're not even experiencing it yet you've created a judgment about how it's going to be a hassle in your life and I say don't buy into any of that crap and if if this if what we're talking about speaks to you with your animals give it a shot you know and reach out to either one of us um, to help so all right so let's go back to when Benji started so Benji has now transitioned and it's like life sucks but you're realizing that like there's something here that you need to to honor. So when does Be- Benji's canine cuisine come in? Well, you know when I when I did transition my dogs um, to a homemade diet, there's a lot of interest about that from people that found that out. Yeah, because you already had them on this kind of yummy diet. Yeah. Before even Benji left the world, and people were always just sort of mystified. Oh well, how how are your dogs vegan? Aren't they carnivores? Like they were just always really surprised, but. I mean, they speak for themselves. I mean, they're gorgeous dogs. They're older dogs now, and they still have so much energy. Usually with Vishla's, the, um, their whole face starts to go white, like around six, seven, eight. And with my dogs, it's just like a little bit of distinguished graying around the muzzle, you know? And I think that's because of their diet, you know? And I, I think that's really true for us, too. Like, we all have these genetic predispositions, but we don't have to be victims to that because our environment is ultimately what activates. It's how those genes are expressed. Totally. So we can have heart attack genes and high cholesterol genes, and we can have all this stuff that's hereditary, but it's really... Um, and, and that's going to weigh in a little bit, yeah. but I think with that... That's your, just like Clark, just like Benji, that's your calling to step it up. Yeah, and you figure it out. Because it's how those genes are expressed. How are you fueling those genes or not fueling those genes is really what's going to determine how yeah. that, that looks in your life and how that's going to live out. There's a book um, that I read when I was uh, doing a lot of research for Benji's called um, Canine Nutrigenomics by Gene Dodd. And it's just that, you know, it just says like, this, these things that are happening with dogs, the fact that cancer is the number one disease that, that kills dogs and that senior is considered to be a 10, a 10 year old dog, you know, all of this stuff is just a reflection of the horrible ways that we're feeding them. It's this terrible experiment gone wrong. Dogs have been part of our lives for at least 40,000 years. I think it may be even longer than that. Um, and only for the past 70 have we decided that they all need to be eating kibble. And um, it's a trend that, thank God, is on its way out because it's just been a complete disaster. Mm. And um, it's so heartbreaking. You know, it's heartbreaking for the dogs and it's heartbreaking for their people because we never, 
we never want to lose our, our, our pets, but losing them even before we have to, it's just so tragic and, and just the suffering that they have to go through. Mm-hmm. And then the suffering of the animals that are, you know, that are made into dog and cat food that can't be mm-hmm. discounted either. You know, really the, you can see the inception of the dog food industry with the inception of the factory farming industry. So after World War II, all this industrialization and mechanization that was developed for, for war purposes really got reused into our own systems. And that's when you see, you know, highly processed foods start to develop. And really dog food industry is here only because we had to find a way to use all of the parts that aren't fit for human consumption. So you have the four D's um, as recognized by the FDA, uh, dead, disease, dying, disabled. These are a lot of the factory farmed animals because of the conditions that they're in, but they can't sell that for human consumption. They can give it to dogs and cats all day long. So a lot of those animals are, it's incentivized for them to, to keep those conditions because they can actually just sell those types of animals to the dog and cat food industry. And even worse than that, it's actually legal to put euthanized dogs and cats into pet food. So another reason that you know, we keep incentivizing people to just buy pets, buy dogs and cats and keep the breeders going because there's actually a market for all these euthanized dogs and cats. It's not like they're just killing them and throwing them in the dumpster. They're getting turned into dog and cat food as well. So the whole system is just really, really messed up. The deeper I've gotten, it doesn't make any sense and it's just disgusting. And for anyone that really cares about animals, it, it doesn't work. And that's why we need Benji's. Yes. You know, Benji's (laughs) is really, it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day and um her husband was texting her while we were talking because she had told him that she was going to meet me and he's like does there really need to be another vegan dog food like there's halo there's v-dog there's natural balance blah 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 the reality is that i only created this food because of an absolute need all those other brands are great but they have no place in my dog's bodies and you know the thing about benji's that's really spectacular i mean the fact that it's 100 percent organic completely plant-based, human grade, freeze-dried. It's really good. Thank you. And those things (laughs) things are all great and they've been done never, I don't think, in combination together, but to varying extents in other foods. No, I don't think there's anything. But the key thing about Benji's that that, um, differentiates it from any other food on the planet is that it's the first commercial pet food to be um, formulated completely from whole foods. So there's no synthetic nutrients. So if you look at the back of your dog or cat food, um, even the best brand will have, if you're lucky, 10 things that you recognize as real food, and then about 20 chemicals that you can't pronounce that are all synthetic nutrients. Because um, another issue is that um, dog and cat nutrition is actually determined, these these um, different amounts of different nutrients they need are actually determined by a non-governmental agricultural group. So... AFCO has no interest at all in promoting dog and cat health. They do have a lot of interest in promoting the agricultural industry. So they set these somewhat arbitrary standards for nutrients and the way that the dog and cat foods meet them are by putting really low quality ingredients and then a bunch of synthetic nutrients. And that's not the way that I eat. That's not the way, you know, for me, I have been successful because I eat real food and I found that to be true with my dogs as well. And so that was the hardest thing. That's what took me the longest with the formulating was just being really picky about zero synthetic nutrients. When did the inspiration for creating this food come to you? Well, about, let's see, about a year ago, I was um, having a conversation with my now partner, my business partner, Matt Belcher. He, um, he's really great. We compliment each other 
super well because we're both dedicated animal lovers and vegans, but he's really a business savvy guy and he's been really instrumental in getting things moving with Benji's, but he's a dog dad too and has struggled with so many, like so many of us with figuring out what to feed these dogs. And not only, um, does he want to feed them vegan, but they're super picky, like super picky. Um, that's the person you want behind the dog food company. (laughs) Yes. And you know, and it was great actually, because we had a one, we had a really informative experience with his dogs because to be a hundred percent honest with you, they weren't digging Benji's and they, and he actually took it really personally, I think, because he's like, what the fuck? Why do my dogs not like it? Cause all the other dogs that were trying it loved it. And what I've come to realize is that the dogs that are eating the most processed food are the ones that don't appreciate Benji's. So even dogs are eating a raw meat diet because their taste buds haven't been so distorted by this, you know, by the sad diet, by the standard, standard American dog diet. Um, they don't recognize real food anymore, but they, that doesn't mean that it has to be like that forever. You just have to transition them, you know? And so what he did was we actually had a bunch of, um, of Benji's that I, so Benji's, one of the things that's really great about it is that it has a lot of texture. So if you look at something like Honest Kitchen, which is a decent formula, they don't have a, a complete and balanced vegan formula, but they have like a base that you're, you can add whatever in into. It's just like a powder. And I know a lot of dogs don't really dig that. Like it's, the texture's off, you know? So Benji's is nice and chunky and has like recognizable pieces of food in it. But in order to get it analyzed correctly, I had to completely powderize, you know, pulverize it and turn it into a powder. And I made four batches because I wanted to make sure that we got really good feedback with our analysis. So I had all this pulverized, you know, I only needed to send them a cup of each batch. And so I had all this pulverized food. And so I gave some to Matt and he gave it to their dogs and started putting that into their food to kind of start to change their taste buds. And and now they like it and now they'll eat it. And it's just like, it's just like a human who's like, oh God, I'm not going to eat like vegetables and broccoli because you don't have that microbiome. The, those yeah. little bacterias that need kale to stay alive, right? Absolutely. And that, that we can change the biology, and it's really quick how how quickly it can happen, and and that's why with the people that we work with, unless they're unless they're on dust doorstep, we say don't give anything up. Yeah, keep everything. Sure, why not? Add, 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 add. Yeah. Like a smoothie, like just, just adds fruit. Like just keep adding fruit right now. Just yeah. so it tastes really good. And, and it displaces the, the stuff that's not serving them, you know? Right. And then, and then it's not so much of a struggle, you know? Because our bodies want to be healthy. Yeah. They're going to adapt. Like, oh my God, our bodies are so amazing. They're, they just so adapt. I know. But they want to be, they're meant to be, they're, yeah. they're meant to be healthy because we're, we're, our souls drop into these vehicles to get some serious work done in this earth school, right? Like this thing needs to be equipped for what I'm going to be throwing at it. And I guess what I'm saying is that it's, it's possible in, in dogs are no different and cats are like, well, cats are, cats are tough. You know, cats are different. I, I'm not a cat expert, so I'm not going to pretend to be, but from what I've, what I've gleaned from, you know, I have lots of cat friends and, um, I do believe that some cats can be vegan. Um, I know actually quite a few cats that that are vegan. Um, I think it's trickier. You know, the thing about dogs is that even though they are definitely closer to the carnivore spectrum than we are, they're still very firmly rooted omnivores. And for anyone who thinks that dogs need to be eating massive amounts of meat like they are now, if you look pre-pet food industry, pre-factory farming, there wasn't a lot of meat, period. It was expensive. It was scarce. People were not giving it to their dogs. 
dogs were eating a lot of root vegetables, a lot of whole carbohydrates. They were eating a lot of the foods that we were eating. It makes so much sense. Yeah. So, you know, and there's actually, you know, archaeological evidence that that comes up every day that supports this. There's um, some research that was done in a site in China from 8,000 years ago where these dogs, the the domesticated dogs they had there were eating so much millet, they, they can still pick it up in their bones. That was their diet primarily was millet. Um, so, you know, this whole idea that dogs are carnivores is completely false. I personally don't think that dogs evolve from wolves. I know that that's the common theory, but there's a lot of holes in that theory and it has not been substantiated. I believe that dogs and wolves are related like all members of the canid family, but there's enough significant differences between dogs and wolves, especially with their digestive systems that I, I think there's something else there. I think that they split apart further down the road than what we currently think and that um, they've been dogs for a while. Because dogs, one example is dogs contain sometimes up to nine times the amount of copies of the gene to produce amylase. So amylase is how all animals digest um, vegetation, you know. And uh, people who say that dogs have no business being on plant-based diets will point out that unlike humans, dogs don't produce amylase in their saliva. That was exactly what the vet said. But Remember? they forget to point out that dogs produce amylase in their pancreas. <laughs> that's the that's the more ancient form of, of amylase production. So dogs can digest plants because they still produce amylase. They just produce it in a different way. Wolves, on the other hand, um, don't. Pro- they do have some production of amylase, but not to the same extent as dogs. But there's wolf populations where berries are a very important part of their diet. People forget that berries are a very nutrient-rich protein, in particular dense fruit, you know, and, and they're actually a big part of a lot of canids diets. So, um, you know, dogs are like us, they're adaptable. Yeah. They eat whatever is around. And, you know, people say, oh, berries, they're so expensive. But you know what I did? I bought, and I, we have this tiny little studio as you can see, but I bought one of the hanging plants out there as a strawberry plant. Oh, that's And so it yields the berries. And when it's, when it's, you know, yielding the berries, those are Clark's berries. You give them the greens too. Oh yeah. The greens greens. have so much vitamin C in them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what I do because my boyfriend wasn't very happy. One day he saw me making their food and there's a bunch of berries in it. And he's like, those are expensive. Expensive, you know, because organic blueberries or raspberries are, you know, maybe even $4 a pint sometimes. Mm-hmm. What I do, because I eat berries pretty frequently for breakfast, is I'll save all the ones that are like soft, like not mold, not fuzzy or like about to grow legs and walk off, but just like a little softer than I personally prefer. And I'll save those in a container and then I'll throw those in their food because they're still getting all the, all the benefit of it. And then I'm not wasting it because I would literally would have thrown them out the window or down the sink, you know. So... That's a great way that people can put berries in their dog's diets, too. It's just like the ones that you don't want to eat. But growing your own is fantastic. Yeah. And I it's, like, definitely it's so easy. It's so easy. I bought that. It's funny. I bought that strawberry plant because it was so beautiful. And it was right at the time that all of this was happening. And I didn't really know why I was buying it. And then I was like, you. when I met with you, you were like, berries are really good. I'm like... Just buy strawberry. <laughs> it's perfect, right? It's perfect. Right? Just finding purpose in every moment, like in paying attention. Like that strawberry plant spoke to me, and I was like, "I'm supposed to buy this." Um, all right. So, where are we now with Benji's? What's going on? Can people buy it? Like, what's the deal? <sighs> Not quite yet, but very soon. Um, anyone that's interested in buying it should definitely um, sign up on the website. We have a form where people that are interested in purchasing um, can sign up to receive it's some. Really, really good, you guys. I got a Thank sample. You. Clark loved it. I had a couple bites. But even more so, it was like, I opened the bag and I was like, oh my God, this smells so good. It smells so good. I had several people that were like, 
I would actually consider eating this. Oh, I, I have, did. I have some climbing friends that are like, can I eat this? And my partner, Matt, actually had some with almond milk and he said it was really good. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, uh, I think that with, um, in terms of our, of our scheduling, you know, where we're at right now is we have the mill and chickpeas. That product is formulated and ready to be on the market. We've had a lot of, um, of great feedback. If anyone goes to Benji's.com um, to the testimonials page, we gotta get Clark. Oh, on there. we gotta Clark. Yeah. Will, Clark will yeah, write, we, that, we, Clark, Clark write that up. Clark, write that up. Sleeping right now. They'll see a variety of, <laughs> of different kinds of dogs just like getting down on Benji's. You know, like really enjoying it. So, um, so we are definitely ready to go to market. We're starting to do a little bit of production, and um, we hope to be um, definitely in in sales within the next few weeks. Very yeah. cool. But you are in sales of something else. Yes. Just sitting on my couch. And I'm so excited that you brought me more space <laughs> ice cream. This stuff is out of this world. It's real space <laughs> ice cream, babe. Oh, you're doing that on purpose? I thought it was like accident. It's way better when it's ag. You can't plan comedy. It's very, it makes for awkward moments. All right. So, and and was the tell us about the inspiration for yeah. So, um, my company Save Foods, which I always differentiate by saying my human food company, which just sounds weird. I've got to find a different way of <laughs> differentiating. My yeah, people are like okay, um, so good. Although, actually, dogs can eat both of those products and do enjoy them immensely. I'm not I know, she, Clark. <laughs> I'm really glad he's sleeping right now. <laughs> Especially the kale chips. They love the kale chips. Um, oh my God, totally. So. I've actually had this brand for a while, um, but I wasn't really that motivated to do anything with it until I, um, so I, I bought my freeze dryer so I could start doing some research and development for the dog food because freeze dryers are kind of hard to come by. No one that I know of in this area has one. So I just bought one and started making my, my samples with that. I'm Rip. opening this. Sweet <laughs> I'm totally opening this. Sweet I can't talk about it and not eat it. Yeah, definitely. The kale chips is going to be way too loud. But <laughs> I can sneak in some space ice cream. But you know, I had this uh, when I got the freeze dryer. I had Hold this on. recollection of being a little girl in Houston and going to the Johnson Space Center, which I did often, and going to the gift shop and getting um, some astronaut ice cream, which comes in this little uh, foil packet and it's a like a little cake of freeze-dried ice cream with your strawberry vanilla and chocolate. And I just always loved it so much. And I was like, oh, man, I remember that freeze-dried ice cream. I looked it up, and I was like, oh, man, it's really terrible. It was like corn syrup, three different kinds of dairy, <laughs> you know, artificial this, artificial that. Could you imagine what we would have discovered if they had oh my save a food? Yeah, exactly. They might have uh, actually with their brains <laughs> on some point. progress. Seriously. Um, I guess that astronaut ice cream, I don't know that it actually, I think it went up on one of the Apollo missions, but it wasn't a big hit with the astronauts because of the crumbliness of it. Mm. You don't want that in zero gravity. Mm. So oh, yeah. mine would actually be better up this there because it's not as crumbly. Yeah. yeah, those cakes are really crumbly. Oh my God, that's it, NASA. So I was like, oh, let me try my ice cream recipe in here. And um, the feedback I got was so substantial that I was like, oh, well, there's something to this. And while it seems insane to start another company when I'm just about to launch Benji's, I've already got a great product and I already had the branding and everything. I mean, this is me. Save Foods is me. Like the the yoga theme, the idea of, of, of showing love, which I do through food, like it just, it all felt so And what does Seva mean for people that don't know? Yeah, Seva in um, in Sanskrit, which is the um, ancient, it's the original language of yoga, means service, selfless service. It's really just about 
giving to others in the best way that you know how. Mm-hmm. To me, service isn't something that should be really hard or really complicated. What do you love? What are you good at? Okay, well, that's your way of serving, you know? So with the ice cream, you know, there's literally not any other non-dairy, super healthy, freeze-dried ice creams out there. And so I decided to go ahead and give it a go. And we've had just wonderful feedback so far. Selling um, online at saveafoods.com. But we're also selling locally here in Encinitas at Eve and at Peace Pies. And then we just got picked up by Baba Coffee in Carlsbad. Nice. We love love Baba Baba Coffee. Yeah, right down the street. BJ and Clark were just at Baba Coffee. (laughs) Yeah, um, and I can't wait to try the kale chips. I haven't done, I haven't tried that yet. But um, yeah, this is going to be. This stuff is is just amazing, and um, I think what you're doing is is pretty darn cool oh, because it wasn't like you sat down one day and you like planned it all out, right? It's just kind of keeps unfolding. Yeah, and the way it unfolds, the way that life is unfolds, is not always. It's not always rainbows and hearts at all but it's it's always being curious about what it is that you can learn what it is that you are supposed to learn I think is a better way to say it or what is it that you are to heal from this and and how do you take that information and move forward and um and you're and you're doing that very thing so lovely and Mm -hmm. and what you're doing is you're helping people create better health in their own bodies and their bodies of their dogs so I think we should probably get this wrapping Mm -hmm. up but for somebody who is like okay they keep talking about dog food and I realize I'm feeding my dog poison now I don't know what to do what would be like like an example of a meal that you would make for your dogs and like yeah. give their weight and like the quantities. Cause this yeah, is what sure. helped. This is what like set me free. And I was able, like it just lifted like any kind of, I guess, like fear of, of, of not knowing how and what and yeah. to combine and what's safe and what's not. Well, you know, in terms of, of amount, I'll go into, into ingredients in a moment, but in terms of amount, the best way to, to gauge that in a, in a real like kind of simple way that I think most people can wrap their heads around. There's lots of charts. There's even interactive tables that you can, like calculators that you can use online if you just look up dog calorie weight. So you can literally put your dog's weight in or their desired weight, and then it'll tell you how many calories you need. Um, So the way that that looks for my dogs, um, my dog Bodie, he is 60 pounds and he eats four cups a meal. So he eats eight cups a day, but he's also a big runner. So somebody else's 60-pound dog may not need to eat that much, you know. So that's why it's nice to look at the calculators because some of them will even say, well, how active is your dog? How, you know, so like for me, Bodie, he eats four cups. Bambi, who is um, closer to 50 pounds, she eats three cups a meal. And then Pablito, the taquito, little tiny man, eats like, well, he's only supposed to eat a quarter cup, but I always give him half a cup because I'm really bad at feeding small dogs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't have enough experience in it, but he's not. He looks great, and uh, and whenever he did, whenever he doesn't want to eat anymore, he just doesn't eat it. So, um, you know, that's the best way. And definitely, you know, start Unlike out me with, with the spit. I think I've had like well, we're gonna drain this bag. Basically, health food. Like I think it's like you so, lose weight by eating it. It's like negative calories. Oh, good, good, <laughs> negatory. Well, and the beautiful thing about all of Stavis products is that they are super nutrient dense. So, um, it's not empty calories. You know, that's the problem I have with sugar. That's why I use maple syrup in there because maple gives you such a great mineral content in return, you know? And I think that with dogs too, it's really just focusing on super nutrient dense foods. Mm -hmm. The problem with most dog food companies is that they're doing the opposite. They're focusing on fillers. 
the cheapest products they can find to literally take up the real estate in the dog's stomach so they feel full. And then they have all the nutrients in there, so they meet the AFCO standards, but it's not actually feeding their bodies, you know? So take a a, uh, a little while to figure out how much your dog should be eating every day because that's going to look different. You know, if you think about a kibble that has all the water removed, that's why they don't need to eat as much. You know, people are always surprised that Bodhi eats eight cups of food a day. But when he was on kibble, it was more like two and a half or three. You know, it's just you have to account for the Mm. extra water, the extra volume that 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 yeah, provides. Yeah, the bulk, that, and that fiber. And like the fiber. The bulk. fiber. Especially yeah. from your juices. I mean, yeah. All, pretty much all fiber that you're... Yeah. I don't do that anymore because they mm. didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> they never really liked it. They you, love you their... There. They love their veggies now. Yeah. They love their veggies and stuff. Um, I do need to find a purpose for that juice pulp, though, because I feel guilty about it. You know, You can crackers. do, like, raw crackers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I need to get on that. Yeah. Or, like, um, you, a base You should for... get on that. Totally. You're not doing enough. <laughs> I need to quit slacking. <laughs> all right. But, so, what is... So, they pu- what are they putting in this bowl of food for their animals? So you can kind of think of it almost like, you know, for those of us familiar with the Buddha bowl, it's kind of like your doggy Buddha bowl. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to think about um, your base. So um, I, as I alluded to earlier, I don't do grains. Um, I'm evolving on that. I've come to believe that there's nothing inherently wrong with grains. I really think it's the problem with the with both the production in terms of all the chemicals that get put on grains and then also um, the high fungal content that tends to develop on a lot of these grains, especially the ones that are allocated for pet foods. I mean, it's just really, really disgusting. So if you want to do a grain, I don't have a problem with that, but one of the reasons that I intentionally uh, formulated this first um, food for Benji's to be millet and chickpeas is because there's no common allergens for dogs. So if you're just starting out with creating a homemade diet for your dog, you want to set yourself up for success. So maybe go with a low allergen diet to start out with. By that, I mean, don't do soy and don't do grains. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with those products. And I definitely incorporate them into my dog's foods along with an abundance of other things. But to start out with, Buckwheat and millet or quinoa, those are three great options. Um, You always want to make sure you rinse off your grains really well because a lot of times there's going to be dust and particles and fungus and things like that that you don't want Even though you're boiling them? Even though you're boiling it, you always want to rinse it off because that stuff just gets cooked in. You know, because if you think about it, when you boil, the water evaporates. So it's not like you're getting an opportunity to rinse it off again. So I always rinse really well. You know, the key to this making it more manageable is do a bunch, you know? So I'll make a big pot of millet or buckwheat every week and put it in containers. And then I, I eat some of that. My boyfriend eats some of that. The dogs eat it. We're all, we all have it. And that is a much better way than making it every day, you know, obviously. So something like that you can make once a week and then store it in jars or, or containers. And then there's so much other stuff you can put in there. So for my dogs, that other thing will either be some beans Beans are great for dogs, um, but I should say that, you know, you dogs, the way it goes in is the way it comes out. So <laughs> definitely for dogs, it's a good idea with their legumes to cook them till they're very well cooked. And I use an immersion blender, but you can also use just a, a mashed potato masher to just really get things completely processed up. So we'll do some legumes. We'll also do, um, they love potatoes. So we'll do potatoes or sweet potatoes. Um, and so russets are okay. And russets are great. Bliss. Keep the peels on there. Organic is super important for uh, regular potatoes. They're on the dirty dozen list. So you definitely always want to buy organic potatoes. But sweet potatoes actually don't need to be organic. Sweet potatoes and yams you can get away with. They're not a heavily sprayed crop. So it's mm. not as important. Um, so... 
And then there's a bunch of different veggies, you know? So just to give you an example of what I fed my dogs this morning, Bodhi um, had about two cups of buckwheat and about a cup of mashed sweet potato and then a cup of, um, you know, cauliflower. When you cut up the cauliflower, the part on the outside. Yeah. That part, that stuff. I mean, they let, they get cauliflower yeah. too. I'm giving them the actual cauliflower too. Yeah, way last night. I oh, have that in awesome. another jar, but I also chop up that stuff. Oh, and yeah. The way that you can make that and all veggies more palatable. I mean, my dogs like the kale sticks too, but only to a certain degree. Like they can't eat that much of them. So like with these kale chips, you know, I have all these kale sticks. I'll chop them up really I'll tiny. I'll drop Clark off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I'll be in heaven. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> bring, the, bring the furry composter. <laughs> um, but what I'll do with my veggies is, um, and I can, I'll do this in the morning, like while, while I'm preparing my tea, you know, so I'm not just sitting there working on their food the whole time. I'll throw a skillet with some boiling water in it. And then I'll put those kale stems or I'll put that cauliflower stem or, you know, chopped up broccoli, chopped up zucchini. Um, you want to make sure it's really easy. I've noticed myself getting the pattern of only doing cruciferous veggies, which are great, but I don't, I want to give them a wide variety. So sometimes I do eggplant or squash, tomatoes, carrots, you know, like, so I'll just throw any of those into their food. And the important part is I switch it up, you know, meal to meal so that they're not getting that same thing every time. And then the other components that are in my dog's food often are some kind of seed. So I'll do ground flax. It's important to do ground for us too, because otherwise it just passes through. So I'll do ground flax seed. I'll do hemp seeds or chia seeds or sesame seeds. And then I'll do the nutritional yeast. You want space ice cream? He's like, <laughs> he is so all over this podcast. Um, he's like, you're talking about food. I can't help it. I'm getting home. Um, so... And then I'll do a healthy oil. I like to switch up my oils for the dogs. So they'll get coconut sometimes. They'll get avocado. Um, no canola. No one should be eating canola oil. Um, but coconut, That's good to know because canola oil is in a lot of Because it's cheap. Stuff, right? <laughs> Even in Whole Foods, you look at their hummus, it's got like canola oil. The problem with canola oil, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with any plant. But it's, it's all GMO. You know, for the most part. Canola oil is one of those. It's right up yeah. there with soy products yeah. and corn. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's big. What about frozen vegetables? Oh, frozen veggies are great. Actually, okay. I ran into you at Jimbo's and you were yeah. getting some frozen veggies. I know. I'm like, it's really expensive. You're like, yeah, because you're buying them at Jimbo's naturally. But, you know, it just I needed convenience yeah. that day. No, but. Costco. Costco is a great resource for that because you can go get big. Um, my friend Michelle, who um, just recently transitioned to doing her dogs, you know, her secrets are frozen veggies from Costco and an Instapot. She does a huge Instapot for them. I've heard of the Instapot. A lot of big fans of the Instapot. Especially for home, people yeah. home cooking for their dogs. Frozen, frozen veggies are so easy. Like I'll just yes. throw them in a little thing. I'll microwave them for like four minutes with a little bit of yeah. water and then I throw them in the food processor. It's exactly. so... I just bought... I actually have been thinking about buying a food processor for I don't know how many years yeah. and actually got one for Clark. And uh, it's great. It's like two seconds, and I love it because totally. it's so easy to, to clean. Um, to clean. So like yeah, Costco vitamins. or like yeah. um, for people back east, BJ's. Um, we don't own BJ's. But <laughs> no relation. <laughs> I kind of wish we did. Um, but yeah, BJ's, so those big wholesalers are even just, you know, I could even just go to Vaughn's. Like I don't have to be buying it at Jimbo's naturally. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just a part of our shopping yeah. now. 
It's totally. great. It's like, okay, here's a bag of sweet beans. And buy things by the bag. Like I buy the potatoes by the mm-hmm. bag because yes. it's less expensive. And then you eat it and they eat it. Everyone's happy. You yeah. know, like there's so many times when I'll have dinner on the stove and Elia's like, which one's for us? <laughs> you know, because you really can't tell. You know, I could say the main difference in ours is just a little more seasoning. But, you know, I do use things like garlic. I know that there's a lot of misinformation about garlic. Garlic is not poisonous for dogs unless you give them copious amounts of it. And it's actually a natural flea repellent. Um, onions can cause some stomach disrupt. I don't give my dogs onions, but I do give them garlic several times a week. Um, how do you do the garlic? Do you cook it first? So what I do is, um, when I'm doing that meal prep every week, garlic is a part of that. Um, I, I don't like to buy the minced garlic cause it's got this weird preservative in it that just tastes funky, but what it is actually really great to pre-cut your garlic. First of all, you'll use it more and it actually releases, I cannot remember the name of it, but there's a substance in there that actually gets, it's really good for us that actually gets excited. Um, increase by being cut up. Mm. Mm. So um, you always want to cut up your garlic, even when you're cooking for yourself, 10 to 15 minutes before you use it because it just releases more of the good stuff. So I have this little jar of minced garlic and what I'll do is when I'm um, steam cooking their their veggies, you know, and you can steam. What The easiest way I found is a skillet with an inch of water in it, an inch of filtered water. Um, it's really important to give your dogs only filtered water for drinking and cooking purposes. But I'll just throw the garlic in there a few minutes before it's done, before all the stuff is done. Yeah, both nutritional yeast and garlic are both natural flea repellents. Nobody should have their dogs on flea medication. It's just really toxic, really bad, really bad for people that are coming in contact with it as well. And the sad part about it is that it's this horrible cycle because what happens is the dogs are eating crappy foods, so their immune systems are worn down, so then they get fleas. So then they get the treatment, which wears down their immune systems. And it's just like this never ending thing. And you can break that cycle by giving your dogs real food. Yeah. All right. So to the person whose world you just rocked um, and they're thinking, oh, my God, I've got three kids and I've got a job and I've got a husband that travels and I'm home all the time. And, or maybe it's I've got a wife that travels and I'm the one that makes all the food and uh, or I'm a single dad or I'm a single mom. I don't have time for this. Yeah. What do you do, what do you have to say? I I'm totally sympathetic to that. At the same time, you know, part of our jobs as adults is learning how to to feed ourselves and our families. And um, it's a cop out to say I don't have time. The reality is most of us make time for what's important to us. So if going and hitting up happy hour or going shopping or going and spending a bunch of money in an expensive restaurant or priorities for you, then yeah, this lifestyle is probably not going to work. The reality is that we do have time. We just have to make it. And it's part of just getting into the flow of it. When I was talking with Jan a few months ago and she was really um, emphasizing to me how important it was to do diversity, that was my thought. I'm like, geez, I'm already doing so much. Like how much more time am I going to spend in the kitchen for these dogs? Like trying to start two businesses. Like this is just crazy. But it just became part of my flow. You know, it don't, you know, you are a great example of someone who eased their way into it. You didn't throw the the, you know, bag of dog food away. You kept it in case you needed it for crazy nights, which is great. You know, I'm grateful to have Benji's for that purpose. You know, there's times that I don't have to home cook either. And that's when I, you know, open the bag of Benji's and add water and then I've got food for them. And Benji's is in no way supposed to replace home cooking. Home cooking is amazing. And just like the best supplement and the best, you know, prepackaged human food, even as healthy as it could possibly be, is no substitute for home cooking. But it's there for you when you need it. So, you know, maybe have a... um a vegan kibble or something, you know, or Benji's or whatever you have access to for emergencies. But 
I tell everyone, if you're eating a halfway healthy diet yourself, I guarantee you, if you just gave your dogs what you're eating, with the exception of maybe four or five items that dogs can't have, they're going to be doing so much better than the most expensive dog food on the planet because it's real food and they're going to enjoy it. And it's, um, it's just a matter of getting out of that, that, that idea, this like false idea that, that feeding dogs should be like, you know, taking care of a plant or something, you know, (laughs) it's like, I'm sorry, it's not easy and convenient. Being healthy rarely is, but it gets, it gets simple, you know? And so what I would suggest is start incorporating more real food into your dog's food. So maybe it just, you, you've got to stick to that kibble for a while, do your research, make sure it's a high quality kibble and start adding real food into it. And then eventually start adding in a little bit more. And um, there's growing more and more resources. If you check out um, Dr. Richard Pitcairn um, and his wife just released the latest edition of their 30-year-old book um, on taking care on natural health care for dogs and cats. And they actually have some great vegan recipes in there. Those do rely on a supplement. And as much as I'm not a fan of synthetic nutrients, obviously you don't want your dogs getting any deficiency. And so if you're not able to commit to having a lot of variety, then doing a uh, veg dog or one of the other vegan nutrients, you know, synthetic nutrients out there is probably a good idea. And again, it doesn't have to be forever. Maybe that's your, just your transition, but it's yeah. doable for anybody. I don't want anyone to walk away from this conversation feeling like they can't do it because they can't do it perfect. You know, you just start out by giving your dogs more real food and just take it from there. It's the same thing. As with people, <laughs> yeah, the same thing, small steps. People, I think the biggest barrier is people want it to be perfect and yeah. they need to have everything set up and that's what delays any progress or any accomplishment. If you just yeah. take it in small tidbits, fa- you may fail, yeah. but you just get back on the train and you just continue on. Like nothing is going to be perfect. Well, they say perfect is the enemy of the good because it's like, if it's not perfect, I'm not doing it. Right. <laughs> right. But it, you know, even just adding some, like I did when I first started, just adding some chopped up cucumbers and bell peppers onto their V-Dog. You know, that, that was really helpful too. And I think the more you see your dogs also really enjoying it, the more motivation you have to do it because you're like, wow, they're really into this and they don't stink and they have energy and all these other things. So I think that just dip your toe in, start putting some real, some real food on top of their, you know, their kibble, if that's what you're doing and work your way into it, ease your way into it and find ways to incorporate the same food into what you're eating. You know, I think is one big non-stinky ball of energy for sure. I can absolutely I didn't smell anything bad. <laughs> he was all up in my business and he smelled great. Yeah. I think people are really going to take a lot away from this podcast and I think they're going to want to reach out to you. So yeah. what is the best one resource to come to, for them to connect with you? Um, Benjis.com. Okay. Yeah. B-E-N-J-I-I-S.com. Um, if you go on either social we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, and the website. There's also a contact form. You can definitely reach out to me through either of those. Great. Yeah. And I'm happy to help. You know, I love talking about dogs and love talking about nutrition. So anyone that wants to reach out, I definitely encourage that. Awesome. Michelle, thank you so much for thank coming you. to the studio and sharing. And there's still more that we could talk about, but maybe we'll turn on the video and talk a little bit about something. And, and then why we'll would share we want it, to turn it on? Because we're going to share it with our <laughs> Patreon fans. <laughs> All right, you guys, signing off. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, you guys, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. I mean, this girl has literally opened up a whole new 
vault in my life and I'm so grateful for her and I know that if Clark could speak he would be as well but as you heard in the podcast he was just all over her during this podcast he absolutely loved her it was like he was just thanking her he knew intuitively that she was the the messenger for his higher level of health that he's experiencing right now so Thank you so much, you guys. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review on Apple Podcast. We're at 29 reviews. We want to get to 100. Help us get there. I, I, We believe in you guys. Help us get there. We know it's going to happen. So take a few moments. I've actually got a few reviews that I need to leave. And so I'm going to take that time today to do it. And I always find that it takes so much more time to think about doing it than it does to actually sit down and just get it done. And thank you again to our Patreon supporters. Keep sharing the show, you guys. That's that's like the easiest thing you can do is just share the show with your friends, especially this one, especially if you know anybody with a dog who's overweight, who's lethargic, or who is getting this bowl of processed food, breakfast, and dinner every day for their entire life. Because I don't think that dogs need to be geriatric at 8 and 10. I believe that if we shifted in this direction, that we would be seeing a much, not only a much longer lifespan for our beautiful fur babies, but we would be seeing a much higher level of health and wellness. And the same thing goes for us, you guys. Yeah, we want to live longer. Like I want to get as much work done as I possibly can on this earth, but I also want to do it feeling good. So eating an anti-inflammatory, nutrient-dense, non-violent diet, for me, there is no other way. So if you are curious about it, you guys reach out to us. We can help you take the next logical step to getting there. We support you all. We love you all. You guys, this is a tribe not to mess with. We are on a mission to create a better world. So stay awake and ready because you are here for a reason.